few weeks ago, I was sitting in the church in the middle of the week, lifting up prayers. And if I'm honest, I was feeling a little defeated. I was thinking of all the good energy and excitement we had going into 2020. We applied for two grants to do mission and outreach work and start a new partnership with the village of Chester Arts. It seemed like the back room might finally be used for how our sibling in Christ Tom had envisioned it almost five years ago or over five years ago now. And then, well, we, we all know what happened. Instead, all of our plans shifted and new things needed to happen. Huge learning curves as worship was reconfigured and we all needed to stay distant for a while. Though even upon our return, it wasn't back to easy and back to normal. We're still wearing masks. We still have to worry about the changing health advisories from time to time. I just felt so defeated from where our energy was then to how we've had to settle where our energy is now. To having so many hopes and still feeling like so much of it is either on hold or well now, now we have to figure out a new thing again. Another new thing. Well, I couldn't help but notice our Walk of Faith banner. This green one hanging up front here was originally made to celebrate our congregation's 200th anniversary. And a few years ago, a few of us removed the 1998 that was at the top, and we left the rest of the dates as they each had a significant moment in our church's history. 1798 was when our church was founded. 1823 was when the second building was built, about 20 years after the first, since the original log cabin was literally falling apart at the seams. And then in 1854, when this sanctuary was built, only about 30 years after the last, and yet it seemed that our ancestors were determined that this is where we were to stay. I mean, this is the third building that they built in less than a hundred years. And they eventually added the stained glass, the pipe organ, the church bell, and they built the CE building. I thought about how different things were in those days when Christendom was flourishing, when we weren't there weren't any doubts or concerns when Christianity held the majority view of the culture, not always in good ways. But it also got me thinking about those first faithful few back in 1798. They were honestly a bunch, a rambunctious bunch. Not only did the presbytery not really want to accept them, they were pleasantly disappointed is what uh, is recorded in our history book when they were when the presbytery did accept them into the denomination but even the Monroe Presbyterian Church history book has uh, many qualms about our ancestors that they list this group that 
as a church member pointed out a couple months ago, is just about the size of us here today. 20 to 30 individuals, mostly women, with strong desires of faith to start and move a congregation into the future. Even if they had no idea what that meant, even if it meant trying to start sooner and getting delayed by the Revolutionary War, having to put all those hopes and dreams on hold, even if they spent a lot of time at the horse races, drinking, dancing, and playing cards, which is another complaint of both the Monroe church history book, but a complaint of our first minister that served the church. And yet this sounds like a pretty good group to me, one that I think Jesus definitely would have been in the midst of, considering who he hung out with in the Gospels. But anyway, I thought about them in relation to a book I started reading called Canoeing the Mountains by Todd Bolsinger. It's about church leadership, in a sense, really having no idea where we're going that we're kind of in a place of uncharted territory, but that we have to go anyway. It models the call to new styles of leader and leadership after the Lewis and Clark expedition. This expedition that was in search of the Northwest Passage, this waterway they hoped to find that would connect the Pacific Ocean to the Mississippi River. And the author speaks about this one part in particular, that when they get to the end of the Missouri River, they're excited and hopeful, thinking the worst is behind them. All they need to do is scale one more hill, and it'll be smooth sailing. <laughs> Only to find, well, the Rocky Mountains were in front of them. So they had to make a hard decision to decide to drop the canoes that they had with them, their primary form of navigation. These men were watermen. That's how they knew to get around. That, that was their mode of navigating the land, the waters. They were not mountain men, but they'd have to make the decision to drop their canoes and scale the mountains. They had to let go of everything they knew, let go just about everything they brought with them up until this point, and lean into the unknown. And I couldn't help but think, perhaps that's what this rambunctious small group of faithful people did back in 1798. They didn't know exactly what was next, but they leaned into it. And maybe we too need to do the same. We need to go back to our roots, those of our founding ancestors, and perhaps even further back to those of the first apostles. For they, too, had to let go of everything they knew and lean into the unknown of Jesus no longer physically present with them and guiding them, but lean into the gift of the Spirit to move them forward. And this wasn't always easy. Shortly after being filled with the Spirit, there were disagreements and arguments amongst themselves. This was on top of persecutions from the outside. For we see Stephen, the first martyr of the church, was killed soon after receiving the Spirit 
for be speaking so boldly about Christ. This first group of Christ followers had to be bold in their actions as well as gracious in their understanding. Standing up to persecution from the outside but not giving in to dissent on the inside. We see this with Peter's encounter with Cornelius, this Gentile, someone who is considered unclean. The Spirit urges Peter to eat with them, a form of hospitality and welcome, and to no longer consider them unclean. He shares this powerful encounter with those back in Jerusalem, the ones who, in a sense, are navigating the guiding principles of this new faith of trying to figure out what it means to follow after Christ now that he's no longer physically present with them. But we see that this navigation takes a bit to really sink in. For those in Jerusalem, on the Jerusalem Council, to really understand. For we see in these later chapters, after we think this should be an afterthought, again, there's a disagreement. There's grumbling and discussion about whether circumcision is needed, a conversion is needed. This time Paul and Barnabas share in the debate, and a similar conclusion is found. No conversion is needed, for God welcomes all. While not everyone was happy with this, or as it played out, it did become clear the Spirit was at work in these people, in these places, moving and breathing and bringing life anew as they're trying to figure out what's next and lean into the unknown. Like the apostles, like our ancestors before us here in Chester, we need to be willing to move forward into the unknown through discernment and prayer, through gracious mutual conversation, trusting that indeed the Spirit is still at work here too. Moving, breathing, and bringing life anew. We need to move forward without fears of failure. For the apostles, our ancestors, didn't fear failure, but they trusted that God was still and is still working in the world. God is still working in this place. We need to trust that God works all things together for good. So the next few weeks, not next week, because that's Women's Council, World Day of Prayer, but following that, we're going to be taking a look at our ancestors, those from 1798 and those further back 2,000 years ago. We see what the Spirit speaks through them, see what the Spirit is still speaking to us today, and in the days to come as we begin to try to lean into this unknown, knowing we're in good company. We're certainly not the first, and we most likely won't be the last. It won't always be comfortable. Usually leaning into the unknown isn't. Not everyone may like it. Some may be afraid of what's next, but there's really only two options in life. We adapt, we change, we grow, or we don't. 
Without changing, the body ceases to exist any longer. As Todd Bolsinger puts it in his book, Canoeing the Mountains, just as an organism must adapt in order to thrive in a changing environment, so organizations need to adapt in a changing world around them without losing their core identity, their reason for being, their core values and purpose. If you want to move forward, you change, you adapt. You welcome the work and the movement of the spirit. So let us begin to move bravely into the unknown, following the footsteps of Lewis and Clark, of our ancestors and Chester before us, of the apostles of Christ. Not no, always knowing where we're going, but trusting that the spirit is with us, guiding us, nudging us along every step of the way as we leave our canoes behind and lean into the unknown of scaling the mountains. For in doing so, we might experience something like the transfiguration of our Lord, of seeing the Lord's backside as God passes by, of hearing the voice of God in the sound of sheer silence. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>